Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. The best sort of position for me to be right now or the best skill set for me to acquire at the moment is sales, is marketing, is operations, is finance. I'm not there now, but I know that I want to get there. So what are the little steps that I can take along the way so that I can best position myself um, so when an option comes up or when I'm ready, I can take the next step? Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? LinkedIn presents. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating incredible women in tech from all around the world. My name is Catherine Roan, and I have the incredible privilege of hosting today's episode. Speaking of today, I have with me the incredible Tina from Sydney, Australia. Hey, Tina. Hi, Catherine. Hi, everyone. So lovely. And so thank you. Look, thank you so much for making the time to be here. To start off, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you're up to these days? Sounds good. I can do that. So I've been thinking a bit about like how I introduce myself and I'm a big fan of not just um, introducing what you do for work as who you are. I'm Tina. I'm based out of Sydney. I'm a young professional, your pro if you will. I'm a sister, a daughter, a an aunt to two beautiful nieces, <laughs> a friend um, and also a bit of a trier. So I love to try different things in my life um, and it's all about, you know, who you are as a person, experiences that you have. For work though, I work um, at Google as a digital native customers lead out of Sydney um, and I've been at Google for a year now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that intro. I think that's really refreshing because normally people are just like, yeah, this is me and this is what I do. Um, and I love sort of the disp- different aspects of you as well. So just wanted to double click on the fact that you're talking about being a trier. What kind of made you want to be that person that just likes to try lots of new things? Where do I even start? I, I guess when I was little, um, I've always been really curious about different things. Um, and as I grow up and, you know, going through my professional career, I realized that you don't have to be boxed into 
a certain role or a certain career for the rest of your life. Um, and as I said before, I'm a big believer of, you know, your human experience and why you're here as a, as a person. Um, and it's all about gathering all those experiences with people who are important to you and also grounding you and, you know, giving you that sort of well-rounded experience um, as you go through life because it's, this is a very short time frame that we have on earth, right? And it's all about how to maximise that. Mm-hmm. And so when you're saying, you know, your belief in it's about how we are as humans, how have you been actively sort of shaping that for yourself? And I guess that that goes back to my introduction as well. Um, taking a step back, thinking about who I am as a person, as of my career, um, and how I would achieve fulfillment and success in my life. And that's, you know, it could be through trying new activities like you know, surfing has been my sort of number one hobby in the last three years. Not that I'm any good at it, but you know, it just gives me so much joy. And then thinking about how I spend my personal time as well with my friends, with my family, um, watching my nieces grow up. And so, yeah, it's, it's all about having that sort of well-rounded um you know, time well spent with family, with friends, and just being really mindful that there's no one aspect of you that defines who you are. Um, you're the full package, um, really, of all the little things that you do. I love that. And so how is it being an aunt? You know, very, very different. Um, so my sister is seven years older than me. I look at her as someone that is like, she's like my second mom. <laughs> I was actually go to her for advice and, you know, to share my deepest, darkest secrets, even before my parents. And watching her grow from, you know, being that big sister and my second mom into someone's mom um, and just watch the way that she nurtures her girls and giving them space to, you know, their own people as well it's been really beautiful and I I learned so much from them like the fact that they're just so fearless to go for whatever like my older niece Tiana she's 10 now she's good at everything she is amazing at gymnastics she can do um, she was in like a recent orchestra concert for the flute as well Um, I was like how did you learn that (laughs) amazing and and Tammy just has the biggest personality and um the other day her mom was showing her this video of like the biggest companies in the world and she was like oh auntie Tina works at Google and you know one of the things I'm looking forward to the most this year is to bring them into our office and show them a bit of a you know just a glimpse of what life is like in taking at Google. Well, firstly, does that mean you have kudo points now with your niece because you work at Google and they saw Aunt Tita's name out there? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to share this podcast episode with them as well. And oh. yeah, just I'm I'm really I'm really excited um, for them, I guess, because they've got so much time to explore and you know find what their niche is or what makes them tick. Um, so yeah. I love that. And you can see that the theme sounds like it runs through the family too, right? Even in the way that your nieces have been brought up. Orchestra, gymnastics, you know, playing the flute in the concert. It's incredible. And so for you, I guess one of these avenues that you've explored was tech um, as a way of going, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And so what actually led you down that path of really getting interested in tech? Yeah, I literally stumbled upon a career in tech. Um, if you can call it that. So I was in my second last year of university. I was doing this group project with this girl who was an intern at that point at Microsoft. And I remember one of the breaks that we had, she was actually on the call with the managing director of Microsoft at that point talking about a side project that she was doing. 
And I was like, this is cool. Like potentially just a year of like doing an internship and see what it's like. Um, because growing up, my parents had a small business in textile and clothing in Vietnam. And so I always thought, well, I really want to do something with fashion because, you know, things always change really quickly. Um, you kind of have to always keep up with, you know, the latest trends and what make people buy your products, right? And that's super interesting for me. And that's, I guess that's how I got into marketing at uni in the first place. And I got really curious about that internship with Microsoft, went along to one of the information sessions. I was really surprised as to, you know, the, the type of roles that were available when my friend mentioned Microsoft I thought it was all going to be engineering technical um, that I would never be able to get into that industry and then I got really surprised when um, at the information session they mentioned that um, we have a lot of marketing and sales roles available and actually in Australia that's more of a bigger org than the technical org um, because a lot of the development um, product development is done in Seattle um, and over time that has changed now but the sales and marketing function and operations, that's all still a very big part of their operation here and for a lot of tech companies um, based out of the U.S. So, yeah, I applied and I somehow got into that internship program. Um, I was spending my last year of university doing my thesis in consumer behavior while working part time at Microsoft for a year. And I think that was one of the life changing moments for me. Um, and I just fell in love with it. Um, I think that fa- the aspect of, you know, dynamic, fast-moving environment that I loved about fashion and, um, you know, running a business, what I saw from my parents, um, I saw that as well at Microsoft. And I just, you know, one of the questions I got asked in my interview for the internship was, um, what do you think about the acquisition of Nokia at that point in time? <laughs> and I was like, you know what, I grew up with a Nokia phone. Um, and, you know, technology is really integrated into my life and everyone's life without even knowing it. Um, so then I got really fascinated with the smarts around how companies, Microsoft at the point acquired Nokia because they want to extend their ecosystem play. Um, and then from there, I learned, you know, about going, you know, go to market strategies, about marketing and sales at that at the end of that one-year internship, I was actually not fortunate enough to be picked for the graduate program. But I thought, well, I had a bit of marketing and B2C experience then and really wanted to go into B2B marketing. So I joined IBM for about eight months. Loved the company, but not really quite a good, a good fit for me. Um, so I left and came back to Microsoft as a graduate the second time around. Um, and I spent six years there before I moved to Google. Can I just say that... From someone who is just like, you know, tech was by accident. So I started at Microsoft, (laughs) right? And then was like, oh, then I went to IBM, you know, but didn't find it a great fit for myself personally, which is totally cool. And then just, and then just dropped it back. And then as I just came back to Microsoft and now I'm at Google, I think it's just, it's unreal that you were so blase about that at the start. And like, I think I want, you know, a lot of the elements that you were talking about what you wanted, I think really really addresses something that a lot of us think about tech and that is if you go to a tech company it's got to be all you know developers and engineers but the way that you were talking about it the things that you were able to pull together as an experience that you wanted as a creative really and someone who wanted to feel that fast dynamic moving sort of atmosphere and going you can actually get that as a tech company without being a techie and you can also have it without you know having that whole at high school, I want to be an engineer and work at Google sort of mentality just was like, oh, this was an accident. Let me explore it, which is going back to your intro saying, 
I just want to be that person who explores and see if that's, you know, the area that I want to spend my time in and that I can grow in. So I think that's, yeah, I just want to touch up on that because I think you really have dispelled a myth for a lot of us who want to get in tech and saying you don't have to be a coder. And so how did you find that as, and, you know, you outlined the fact that a lot of the positions in these types of companies are actually more the creative side than the engineering side. So how did you find that? Was that surprising when you first started and you're like, oh, hang on a second, what? Yeah, um, I think it all starts with curiosity, right? So um, how I got to that first information session, I was curious about Microsoft and then I got curious about B2B and then I was in marketing, I got curious about sales and then um, it was actually a really interesting story as well as to how I moved from marketing to sales um, because when I was reaching sort of two and a bit year into my first marketing role and my grad role at Microsoft, um, I was like, you know what, I really like doing marketing, but at the same time, I just want to be out there and do it by myself. Like I spent a lot of time harassing my salespeople to tell them to invite the customers to events and then follow up. I'm like, you know what, I'll just do it myself. And um, so I went to one of the sales managers at Microsoft and asked her, like, you know, I love some advice as to how I can actually move into sales. And she's like, you know, I think you can do it, but you haven't really got any customer facing experience. So why don't you think about like some like a middle step? Um, and that's how I got into a technical account management role. So um, in the type of role that is more post-sales, um, I get to work with salespeople, so I get to see how they work and, you know, they seeing them in action um, and then at the same time sort of build up my sales acumen and my relationship management skills. Um, and then at the end of 18 months, I went back to the sales manager and say, hi, I'm ready. Um, do you have a role for me? And she was like, yep, I'll take you. As you said, I, I sound pretty blasé about it all, but um, every step was quite sort of structured and um, in plan. So I knew that in that 18 months, these are the skill sets I need to get. Um, these are the people that I need to spend time with to see how they work, to observe their behavior and what make a good salesperson. Um, and then, you know, like when someone is giving you advice and opportunity, you go back to them and say, hey, I've done all the things that you asked me to do. Um, I think I'm ready now. Give me that chance. And the same as well when I was applying for my um my role at the moment with Google, I was approaching six years at Microsoft and I thought, you know, I love this organization, but I know there's a life out there outside of this bubble and I wanted to learn a different ecosystem really. Um, and so I let our look behind, <laughs> I went to, um, to the workspace and um, going into a totally different segment as well. Um, at a point in time, I was like, you know, there's something in me that's always screamed out, you know, I want, I want to work closely with startups and with digital natives, but I just never quite made the jump over to work in that segment or join a startup um, because, to be honest, I'm quite spoiled. <laughs> you know, the, the, one of the great things about working in, in tech is the, the benefits and the perks, and it is hard to, to break away from that. Um, and so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yep, I think it's the right time. I want to go into an organization where, you know, we're the challenger on the market, we're still growing really quickly, and there's a lot of room for me to grow again as a salesperson. So many things that I want to unpack with you there that I think is really important for a message for everyone. The first thing I want to talk about is, I love how you had the gumption to just go, hmm, you know, I am in marketing. The goal now at, you know, midterm is to get to sales. 
how do I do that? And then to go to someone who has the foresight, I guess, and the hindsight as well um, to be able to say, well, this is what you will need to do. And so go out and do these things. And you just said, okay, I'll go out and do those things. Whereas I think a lot of us, before we even do that asking, we're too afraid to go. We have that dream, but we just don't go and ask. And I think it's really powerful that you went to someone and, and asked, what's the path? And then the hardest part is I'm going to do that path for 18 months and come back to you and show all of these things that I've done. I'm ready. Can you kind of help me out? So where, where does that come from, that ability for you to be able to go, I want to get there. I don't really know, but I'm going to ask and I'm going to get them on board with my, you know, <laughs> with my dream and help me outline those steps. Like where does that come from? Well, first of all, I was I would have to say I've got a really strong role model in my mom and she's the type of person that when she sets her mind to something, she'll get it done. And I think I was very lucky to have that as my role model going growing up. Um, and then one piece of career advice that really stuck with me, um, and this is something that I picked up in the career panel like a few years ago, but someone was saying that your career plan um, is more like a compass than a GPS. So if it's a GPS, you have to kind of you know follow every instruction to the T. But if you have a compass, then even though you're not going into that role in the next um, sort of position, you know sort of in general where you need to to position yourself to get there, right? So I think it comes down to a bit of, as you say, foresight in terms of, you know, I know that the best sort of position for me to be right now or the best skill set for me to acquire at the moment is sales, is marketing, is operations, is finance. I'm not there now, but I know that I want to get there. So what are the little steps that I can take along the way so then I can best position myself um, so when an option comes up or when I'm ready, I can take the next step? Yeah, I think that's really awesome just the way that you've you've been able to think about that and also have the energy and just the execution to go, I'm just going to do it because I really want it. And it's it's lovely that you, you've brought up, you know, your mum as a role model. I mean, my mum's a role model too for, for me. And the way that she came over to Australia and had to do all of those things, I'm just like, <laughs> hands down, like, I've just got to give it to you. you. You've done an incredible job. And, you know, I've been able to reap the rewards of all of the energy and, and just everything she, she's been able to achieve. And, and my dad as well, obviously. Yeah, um, strong, strong Vietnamese moms, right? Oh, I don't know. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm sick, but I'm like, no, no, I can't. I can't even complain. Like, <laughs> it's not even right to be complaining. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and you know, I guess one of the things that I left out of my story when I did myself is I'm also a migrant, right? I moved to Australia when I was 19, um, and again, very grateful that my parents could afford myself that opportunity. Whereas my mom, right after the Vietnam War, she tried to escape the country or flee the country by boat twice and she got caught twice and got put in jail. <laughs> and then my grandmother had to bail her out of jail um, and eventually she decided, you know, that was it and they were running out of resources. So she um, she stayed and met my dad and, you know, without that little sort of bum in the road for her, maybe I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So went out to sea twice, got caught twice. Yeah. In jail twice? Yeah. Oh, that is unreal. And so it's you know, pretty badass. I said my mom was in jail twice. Oh my 
God, she doesn't have any jail tattoos, does she? Like, <laughs> no. I, I think it was very short-stint. I think the moment my grandmother was hearing that she was in jail, like she, you know, pretty much scraped everything together to bail her out. But, yeah. Do you know what? It's actually crazy how in parallel some of our stories are. You know, you talk about jail. My nan was put in jail as well um, for suspecting being, like, under just under suspicion, not even didn't get caught in the act or anything of organising some boat trips. Right. And so they just pulled her in and was like, we think you're doing it. And she was like, what? And then just pulled her in for like two years. And yeah. so and she I wonder was, if our families cross paths at some point as well. I know. Unreal because you're from Da Nang. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Right. And my mum's from Hue. Oh. So I, right. It's not even Whoa. that far away. It's technically related. <laughs> I, pretty much. Pretty much. If, if yeah. I had, a, had my name was Nguyen, well, my mum's surname is Nguyen. So. That's my mum's surname. Well, there you yeah. go. We're obviously cousins. We just just found out on the podcast, everybody, that we're related to each other. Long lost, <laughs> long lost family. A hundred percent. And you know what? I, if I ever, I don't know, I'm down in the dumps or I'm tired or something, I just think about that and I'm like, there is no way on this planet that I could even ever come close to complaining when my parents had to go through that just to get me here, you know? So, um, and I can see that the effect for you there and, and you're saying that you're a migrant 19 where I can really see that you're just like, I just got to make the most of this. You know, I got to make the best of this to, to, as a way to also potentially give back, you know, to be like, I have this opportunity. I'm going to go and do this. And I'm, as you were saying at the start, want to be a good human. Mm, yeah. And really paying it forward. Yeah. I think that's a really big thing for me now, trying to think about what is next. And I know there's still so much for me to learn and grow as a person at the same time starting to pave the way for some of the people that are coming after me um whether it's you know people who share the same background and try to get into tech or um people who are younger you know arriving in a brand new country especially right after covid and again try to make the most out of new life mm-hmm. and i love how both of those are colliding for you you know from from your background cultural background um as well as, you know, where you want to take yourself as a person. I think I can see those two worlds colliding, which is so incredible. And so, I mean, what does that look like? I'm curious. What does it look like in terms of you, I don't know, just figuring out a path to kind of pay it back? With all of those things that you were saying, what's kind of ruminating in your mind? I guess that's something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. But I know that charity and sort of mentoring work is always something that I'm really interested about um, and I try to do a bit more in. Um, at Google, we have this amazing program um, founded by two Googlers actually called I Am Remarkable. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, but, yeah, it is actually a training that's available to um, everyone. So a lot of us within Google are trained as facilitators. We also can train external parties to be facilitators as well. And the whole point is that um, we want to demystify some of the biggest sort of misconceptions around self-promotion in the workplace. And it all started with um, helping women to be more confident about sharing their achievements. And, you know, one of the statements that came out of that um, material or um, training is if it's based on facts, it's not bragging. Um, because as women or as people coming from different cultural background or marginalized groups, we tend to feel like we don't have the right to brag or, you know, we don't want to brag. And, you know, if you actually deliver something and there's numbers to back it up and there's impact behind what you do, it's facts. It's not, it's not bragging. And, you know, a lot more people will benefit from what you have to share because they also learning from you. Right. So it, it's sort of, you know, well, 
the first angle is that you're debunking that myth that people don't like other people who self-promote um, and then giving people some sort of, you know, exercises and, and also um, a shift in mindsets and then they can actually do that more comfortably and naturally and authentically. So, yeah, that's something that I recently took on um, and we're delivering a few workshops for, you know, businesses like eBay and Samsung um, as well as not-for-profits like Dress for Success. Oh, wow. That's such a cool initiative um, on, on behalf of the Googlers are there and, and now you being a part of that too. What's really interesting for me is the fact that that has to exist in the first place. Yeah. Right? And so when you were describing that, I was like, oh, yep, I'm resonating, resonating. And then I had to stop and say, hang on a second. Yeah, I'm like, why is that even a thing? Why do you think that, I mean, yes, the program, incredible. I'm just thinking, like, why do you think it is that we even have to have something like this, for, especially for women, you know, to talk about their achievements and celebrating that? Yeah, 100%. And, um, again, I think we're really living in a bubble because we work in tech, we work in industries where um, it's quite, you know, it's quite a well-known practice to have to go through that self-appraisal process and performance review and, you know, everyone sort of build a bit of that muscle to talk about what you've done, what you've achieved. But then if, you know, say, for example, when delivered a workshop to a not-for-profit, a lot of these women never actually worked in a corporate environment where they feel like they could be heard, where they feel like they're part of the majority. And so it's very powerful to see that, you know, those little things actually help them um, overcome some of their thinking, even within themselves. I think a lot of it, when it comes to thinking thinking about um, yourself being put at a disadvantage starts with your own sort of mindset and how you perceive um, the environment as well. So, you know, if it starts with you and then you help other people understand the, the context, I think it's a very, very powerful position to come from. I mean, I could just go so deep into this with you right now because I think I think this is just so valuable, especially for the people who are listening to this podcast, right? I think it will resonate with a lot of people here. So if you had to give us one tip that moves us one step closer towards kind of unpacking that for ourselves, you know, obviously without you there being there to facilitate, what would you think, what, what would you advise there? Yeah, I think the number one step is to have some time for self-reflection. I remember reading this book, Barefoot Investor, a few years ago. One of the things that um, he said in the book was to set time aside once a month, whether with yourself or with your partner, to do a bit of a financial review. And I think it's the same for all aspects of your life, especially when it comes to your career, when it comes to self-development. It's very important to set aside that time to reflect what you've done and when you want to go and what's the plan to go from A to B. I find that it was really helpful. One of the things that we do in the I Am Remarkable workshop is actually to spend some time with um, the participants to just to let them write down why they think they're remarkable. As part of the exercise with the group, they have to actually stand up and share an I Am Remarkable statement. So they have to say, I am remarkable because... Um, and, you know, that's a really good way to start because I've done that workshop maybe two, three times now myself as a participant. And every time I come out of that, I just feel so empowered. I'm like, dude, I've done pretty amazing things. And I just don't even stop and celebrate my wins. So I think self-reflection and celebrating small wins along the way is probably my number one step. Um, Even if you're thinking of getting out of 
a role that you're no longer like in love with or you're wanting to move into a new industry, into tech, I would say take a pause to think about what you've achieved, right? And, you know, say to yourself, I've done amazing things in the last two, three years, and it's now time for me to move into that next chapter where I'm actually allowed to grow into my next sort of set of potential. Totally did not expect this podcast to take that turn. But I'm really glad that it has because I just think that overall it's such an important message for people, not only just, you know, wanting to get in tech, but I think it's one of those moments where, you know, especially post-COVID, I think everyone's reevaluating a lot, you know, having time to to think more time than we wanted, I think. (laughs) So actually, you know, look within and to go, well, is this this the path I want to take for a long time? Or if not, it's okay to take time to pause and to think about potentially where it is. And, and similar to what you've been saying in the podcast, like start thinking about mapping that out. It doesn't have to be a GPS, you know, recalibrate your compass so that you actually know what direction you're heading towards, but then, you know, the rest of the pieces, they can work out as, as you go along as well. So yeah, thank you for that. I think, you know, I know personally, I'm going to take a lot away from what you've just shared and, and do a little bit of, you know, having a bit of time for self-reflection as well. Um, and as you said, you know, you've, you've done so many incredible things and I'm sure you know, we've heard a lot of the really cool highlights of not even thinking about tech and now working at Google. <laughs> um, but I'm sure with that would have come with some challenges too. So, you know, I'd love for you to talk about some challenges that you faced in your journey and, and how you overcame that or used that to kind of propel you forward. I'm really, really grateful for, um, yeah, I, I keep thinking about as to how lucky I am and how blessed I am with all the opportunities that I was given along the way and people that believed in me, started my family, but also all the managers that sort of take like took a chance on me in the past. You know, in, in terms of challenges similar to any sort of, you know, people leaving their own country to build a new life somewhere else. Um, granted, I was really lucky because my sister already lived in Australia when I moved here. But, you know, I was so conscious about my accent, for example, for the longest time. And I, I started to realize that it's usually it's usually not the people that I'm talking to that call out my accent or they think that I'm saying something weird. It's really usually me. Um, and not until a few years earlier, like a few years ago, that I started to realize that. And then, you know, I, I thought, why am I sort of hiding who I am and my culture? Um I guess in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, Vietnamese culture is never as celebrated as some of the other cultures in the world. And I was like, why is that? And, you know, part of it is that I'm not really showing it. I'm not really, um, you know, inviting people to um, to um, experience a culture. And, um, you know, the accent thing is really just a very self-conscious thing um, because people can understand me fine. And, is usually that that held me back a lot when I first started my career. I remember being so worried about saying things in the right way, but sometimes I would just miss the opportunity to say anything at all, and that's worst, right? So that's probably one of the things that I, you know, over time have gained a lot more confidence in. And then I've also like took on, I've also taken on like voice coaching, for example. I was really lucky to be part of this training recently at Google called Strong Voice. And part of the exercise was that we got some time with a voice coach um, as, a, as a small group. Um, and then she was giving us feedback. Uh, so we had to stand up and deliver a statement. And then she would give us feedback. And I asked her the question about, like, you know, I, 
I don't want to change my accent, but I also want to make sure that I'm very articulate. I come across well. And she was like to me, I don't think you have a problem at all. And people ask me about accents all the time, but accents are subjective, right? Because everyone's got an accent. So it's part of your story. It's part of who you are. So, you know, it's all about thinking about how you deliver a message, but not hide away your accent because that's part of who you are. That's probably was one thing. I'm also very conscious about my background not being technical enough because I work with a lot of founders and CTOs who are very, very technical. But, you know, again, I think organizations like Microsoft and Google um, have a really big focus on, on technical development for their people. Um, and again, it is something that you have to take ownership of. So when I moved from marketing into technical account management, I did all three of the Microsoft sort of um, certification to get across like not the deep technical level, but enough um, technical details so I can be that person that bridged the gap between technical, um, the technicality of the product and what it does for the business, right? So that's probably another thing that I I would love to continue to work on. And even though I would never be a coder and engineer, I love to be, um, to know enough to be dangerous. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Look, I have just a couple of quick fire questions. I think you sprinkled some of those in there, but just in case, just the first thing that comes to your mind really is some of these quick fire questions. Favorite book? Alchemist, The Alchemist. Classic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Favorite podcast or video series or something? For fun, is um, it's a podca- podcast series called No Such Thing as a Fish. So I listen to a lot of like heavy business content and sales development content, like we all do. Um, but No Such Thing as a Fish is a uh, series where three, four friends get together every week, and then um, every week they get like each of them will come to the table with a theme, and then they will research on the topic, and then it, it just come up with like the most random facts out there, like. For example, they said something around like the, the NASA spacesuits are all recycled, so they're all hand-me-downs. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that was one of the facts that stuck with me. It was just hilarious to, to listen to. As if it takes a whole lifetime to become an astronaut <laughs> and you get a hand-me-down? <laughs> yeah, you get a hand-me-down. And you know how, like, you wow. know, there's, no, there's no proper toilets and things like that in space as well. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, let's leave that to everyone's imagination. I, I I think they can fill in the gaps there. Um, I've got to check that out. That sounds really fun. Uh, Best resource for tech, speaking of business stuff? I'm a big fan of consolidating. I don't try to go into multiple platforms. So LinkedIn is really where I go for a lot of information. Um, There's also a a newsletter that I subscribe to to called TLDR. Um, So they actually sort of um, summarize a lot of the big announcements into very um, easily uh, digestible format. So that's another source for me. 100%. Uh, Got to admit, I have subscribed to TLDR. Also have to admit, haven't read it yet. (laughs) So so I think this is pushing me towards that direction. Uh, Thank you. And your hobby. I know that you touched upon this, but Mm -hmm. if you want to highlight any other ones. Yeah, surfing and recently tennis. Yeah, so I um I had a few accidents uh, a few years ago now where I had to do you know two ACL reconstructions, and so I picked up surfing because I thought you know I, I like the fun of riding a wave, and you know it's probably one of the one of the sports where I'm less likely to hurt my knees again. So 
I started surfing then and um, tennis is another one where it's a bit of fun. You get some cardio in, but you're not in close contact with anyone. So, Right, so yeah. you've got social distance, distance, yeah. distancing tick. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I love that you were like, I did my, both my ACLs, so I took up surfing, so it's a little bit easy on the knees, but then have gone back to potentially doing my ACLs with tennis, which is so much stopping and starting, right? Oh, I didn't do my ACL with tennis. Is is more, um, I just wanted something where you can still be like social and when on a day where the surf is really bad, you can still play with tennis, but then given Sydney's weather recently is quite hit and miss. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So next time I, I watch like um, Bondi Rescue, I'll just look out for you. Don't I? <laughs> oh, I hope that you won't get to see me on there because it's no, so like, pretty bad. <laughs> this is what good surfing looks like out there in the horizon. Girl, Tina is surfing the waves. <laughs> yeah. And then boom, just got hit by this massive, like, it happened before. It happened Seriously? before. You've been like, a... knocked over? No, I got a fin at the back of my head and, you know, I've got other friends who got stabbed by like really big, long board fin so yeah it is a dangerous board yeah any stitches any bleeding anything like that a little bit yeah battle scars you are hectic um and so just the last uh few questions before we finish it out what can our community do to support you I love to learn new things love to connect with people so do find me on LinkedIn and um if you can teach me anything about Web3, and I know you're a Web3 person as well, Catherine, so we need to have another chat on this. Um, yeah, just trying to get across that whole world of Web3 and what will be next. Um, I'm also dabbling. I'm, I'm a baby angel investor. Um, I think it's just a really interesting intersection between what I do and you know where I find a lot of energy, in, which is to work with founders and startups and just the smarts around how people um, start a business and you know bring them to Series A and global and whatnot. Um, so it's super interesting for me. So if you want to chat about pitch tech or if you have any interesting companies to look at, happy to um, to have a coffee and, and chat about it. Um, and lastly, inspired by a lot of wonderful people around me, um, my Two really good friends and myself were starting a podcast ourselves. <laughs> and so we'd love to have you join us and listen to us and um, you know, hopefully it'll become a bit of a platform for, um, you know, women and, you know, just young professional in general where um, you're looking at a path to get your full fulfillment and also living your best life and having a lot of fun. Um, have a life outside of your career as well because that's just, not, that's just one aspect of who you are. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay, I love the plug. So make sure you go and find Tina and all the socials. Well, that was actually the next question. How do we connect with you? But you've already managed to tick that off as well. So are you happy? I mean, is your preferred method on LinkedIn or how else can we, how can we connect? Okay. On LinkedIn, can you let us know on LinkedIn who you are? Just Tina Tran? Yeah. So if you go to linkedin.com slash hey Tina, that's me. Well, look, Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate you making the time. I know you know you were sick as well and you've been incredibly busy. So thank you for hanging out with us. Um, I'm just going to do the little outro if that's right with you. And thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today in the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech from around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. And of course, say hello to us on the socials at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, thank you so much to our guests today, Tina, and everybody for listening in. Until next time, stay safe, 
Be well. Catch you then. Bye. Hi, this is Tina Tran. I'm a digital native customers lead at Google. I'm based in Bondi, Sydney, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, with help from Janice Geronimo, edited by Corey Jennings, production and voiceover by Adam Carroll, and music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.